Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and your moderator for today. Today is Sunday, January 26, 2020. The share IDs for Friday, January 24th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,021. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,023. That's 14023. Today, A Vision for You presents sponsorship from both perspectives. The primary responsibility of sponsors is to help their sponsees work the 12 steps. The 12 steps are the foundation of Overeaters Anonymous. The steps require us to take action, but they were not meant to be worked alone. In fact, we cannot work them alone if we follow the way the AA Big Book suggests that we work them. The meaning of the steps and how they are applied to life can require explanation and interaction. A sponsor can help us translate the general principles of the steps, a set of ideas, into the specific activities of our lives, our behavior. In some ways, a sponsor is like a wise teacher, a private tutor, a seasoned mentor, an experienced guide. Sponsorship, which includes aspects of all these roles, is nevertheless unique. A sponsor is someone who has completed the 12-step process and is living daily in steps 10, 11, and 12. His or her primary responsibility is to help us work the 12 steps by applying their principles to our lives. Sponsorship is a basic and integral part of belonging to a 12-step fellowship and potentially one of its richest, richest experiences. Sponsorship is intensely, wonderfully personal. Each of us brings our own ideas, our own personalities, our own strengths, and our own weaknesses to it as both sponsors and sponsees. No one is an ideal sponsor, and no one is a perfect sponsee. We never rise above being human, but we can all learn to be better sponsors, and we can all learn to be better sponsees. No set of rigid rules could possibly do the phenomenon of sponsorship justice. And the presentation today is one of a myriad of examples of the sponsor-sponsee relationship. As with all teacher-student relationships, it is difficult to tell who learns more, the sponsor or the sponsee. Joining us today to share on both of these perspectives is Ruth M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri, and Stephanie K., a recovered compulsive overeater also from Missouri. They're here to share about sponsorship from both perspectives of sponsor and sponsee. And it's with great pleasure and appreciation that I welcome them to the line this morning. Good morning, Ruth and Good morning. Stephanie. Good morning. 
Good morning. Good morning to both of you. Welcome. Okay. Thank you. So I just want to clarify, I'm, I'm from Illinois looking at the Gateway Arch. I'm close to Missouri. But anyway, I, I say St. Louis area. Okay. So uh, anyway, so um, I think there was this interesting phone call I got on February 6, 2017. And this person gets and, and, and she's left a message and I, I get this phone call and uh, and uh, she's crying a lot, and she's in a lot of pain, and, and oh, my God, I am so happy because she is so miserable. I mean, this is great. The more miserable, that means, oh, that means she's taking step one. I just knew it. I was so happy. I didn't tell her, of course. Hey, Stephanie, how was it when you called me that time? <laughs> I was nuts. I was desperate. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I was completely miserable and completely done. Um, Twenty-seven thousand dollars in debt. My son, our son, um, was uh, just off the rails. He's a recovered drug addict. My daughter was completely just playing like the lost child and holing up in her herself up in the room of her, our house. And my husband and I were barely speaking. Um, I think if God had not intervened, my higher power had not intervened. Uh, we definitely would not be together today. Um, it's been a massive restoration, a massive undertaking that God has done in our lives. And uh, for that, I'm I'm utterly grateful, just utterly grateful. Okay. Well, also, you wanted to kill all your coworkers, too. You got to make sure That, you- too. It would have been a mass shooting, yes. It would have been a – I would have been in jail, too. Um, I would have been wearing orange, not black, but orange. Um and I don't look good in orange at all. Black is my preferable color. But, um, yeah, I would have been, you know, on death row, too. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it would have been. It, it was. I was just out of control. And I, I had come to the – by the time I got to the phone call to you, Ruth, um, first of all, I called one time, and then I had to call a second time because I'm so doped up on food that I forgot to leave you my number. Um, and so that was – the beginning of the humility. <laughs> I don't have everything together. I can't even remember to leave my number for this woman to call me back. Um, but it, it was a pretty um, amazing how that came about. I was an uh, intergroup rep for another um, 12-step group. And I happened to come on Vision for You. And thank God you guys record things. Thank you for your service, you know, because you saved my life. God used that to save my life. Let's give all the credit to God anyway. And... Uh, I clicked on another talk, um, and then after that, um, Ruth's talk came on. And I was like, I figure she sounds pretty familiar. And uh, I think, I was like, I think she's on my Wednesday, in my Wednesday group, my home group. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, this woman's, like, close to me, you know, in Missouri, in Illinois. And uh, so I, I knew who she was, and I was just crazy. I didn't even remember what the IR group what they were talking about or anything like that. And another fellow um, away members in that group too. And I said to her, hey, do you have uh, Ruth's phone number? And she goes, no, but I know somebody else who does. I'm like, okay, let's text, you know. And so I'm texting this other OA member, and he's a nice gentleman. And he's like, you know, my hair's on fire. I'm like, I need Ruth's number. I need to, I'm, I'm not completely, ab- you know, I'm not entirely abstinent. I just learned what entire abstinence is. I need to find a big book. I need all this. And I'm like, I got to go work. And he's like, okay, be well. Here's our number. I'm like, thanks. You know, 
<laughs> and I leave a number and I work overnights, you know, and I'm driving and I'm driving crazy in my car and I'm speeding to work and I'm calling Ruth and, and I'm like, oh, hell, oh, gosh, you know, I forgot to leave my phone number. And so I called her and um, again, and then I went to work and completely, utterly crazy because I just realized that I'm done. I'm completely done with being a, a food addict. So maybe, yes, I did take step one uh, that night. Yeah, the thing uh, for, for me is what I heard is you said, I'm done. And you said it, but it was you met it. Um, that's a great joy uh, because it really is. It ended up being step one. But the fact you were done when you called me, you were not going to battle me, the food, or anybody else. It was just, just tell me what you want me to do. So mm-hmm. uh, you were out of it, though, because you had to have that last supper, you know, before you called me. So you were really doped up. But nevertheless, we got through these first, uh, you know, these first two phone calls because, yeah, you were pretty out of it. But anyway, so I basically what I told you, and if you kind of remember, but the first thing I always do is I tell people what I'm not, what I'm not about, so they can immediately hang up and go find somebody else. So the first thing I I say is, you know, I just want to tell you two things. First, um, I recovered by the Big Book. I can't give away what I don't have. So if you would like to recover in a way other than through the Big Book you'll need to find somebody else. So that, that's my story. If you want, we're going to go through the big book and we're going to lose, use exclusively the big book. So if you want OA literature, that's fine. But again, I'm not your person. He said, no, no, I want you. You're a big book. And then I said the next thing I said to you, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be your financial advisor. I'm not going to be your therapist. I'm not going to be your friend. I'm going to be your sponsor. That's the role. I'll do it well. And you will do your role well. But we're not doing these other things. If you want to chit-chat with me, you'll find somebody else. There are plenty of people to chit-chat. But I'm, I'm going to be working with you. And, and I've got, I, I got some things to do. Okay, great. So you say fine. So then I said, okay, now you know what I'm not. What I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to give you an hour a day every day. And I'm going to be giving you some assignments to do. You'll need to do them. You'll be available for me. And then you will do the work on the phone. But you will be doing work outside. So you're, this is going to be your top priority. There, whatever else is out there, family, work, it's a mess anyway. This will be your top priority is to get through this big book. Okay, you said fine. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, so for you, now um, we're going to first, I'm going to first go over. So what I need you to do is first we're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to have the big book. You got the big book? Yeah, you got the big book. Great. Uh, we'll be studying doctor's opinion and Bill's story because that will be the part of, of step one. Okay, great. Got that. I want you to get this little booklet. It'll be writing in. It's just a workbook because I want you to be doing some writing as well. For me. Good. Okay, order that. Got that. Okay, we're going to need to have a food plan. And um, so for that, we'll have something for the next 24 hours or to our next phone call. We're going to have to have that in place now. From this moment forth, you are abstinent. You will be entirely abstinent from this moment forth. That's it. God through you, but that's that's your commitment. Yes, okay. Um, and so you said yes. You said yes to everything. That's good. And uh, you you were you know I mean you didn't necessarily get real warm and fuzzy towards me then, but you were willing. That's the key. So then we went over what you would have to do. The first thing you'll have to take out a piece of paper, pen, pencil, and write down all the foods that you control, all the foods you're thinking of controlling, all the foods you're thinking um, I can't control. Anything where, you know, you've sworn off, but you can't, you can't keep your word. Or when you start eating it, you can't seem to stop when you say you will. 
Uh, for those that are listening on the line, that's the first paragraph on page 44. I didn't have to cite that for it, but I want you to do that now. That's the first thing you'll do. You said, great. And so that's what you did. You went and got, you made, I also will say this about to you and to everybody listening. Not once did you buckle, fight it, you know, anything. You always delivered, did what you said. You kept your word every single time. There was no exception to that. Um, that means you took step one. So, uh, so you did that. You went and created your list and, um, you know, called me back and we went over it. And so basically on the list, I'm just listening. I'm listening to the food. I'm picking out, I'm listening to hearing what are the ingredients that seem to be popping up in, that, in the foods. And I can tell it's not hard. And so what I do is, uh, let's just say for the sake of, uh, you know, numbers, let's say you gave me 33 items on a list. And I'm listening to you, and I know it's almost always, well, I'll give you the first one you mentioned, was sugar artificial sweeteners. Anything sweet, you're going for the sweetness. And so I can tell it's just almost every time. So what I say to you, because it doesn't matter what I know, you need to know. So in this conversation, I say, okay, we got 33, you know, everyone, you know, okay, let's see if there's anything that's common. I seem to hear something called sugar and even artificial sweetener because the tongue doesn't know the difference. Let's just count up how many times you say that. So let's go back through the list a second time and you count up for me. So we count up and it's 31. And I said, okay, what does it mean that 31 out of 33 times you're going to go for sweetness? What does that mean? And you're like, well, I already know this. I eat a whole bunch. I can't stop eating sugar. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what we did. And then we went back through another time. And the next time we picked out another ingredient. And we kept doing that every single time until each time you're taking responsibility for what it is. And then I say, now, what are the things that you have to have entire absence from? And you told me. Um, and, and then I said, great. That is what you can now not eat in any form in any way at any time. That's it. It's that simple. That's entire absence. Whatever is around control, because normal people don't attempt to control something because it's never out of their control to attempt to control it. So they will never do this. Um, and, but you did it right away. And, um, and then we created a food plan for the next 24 hours. And then I told you to go to the USDA. I want you to learn what's basic nutrition and what's proper portion size because you also have to have, to have a, a proper amounts. But you can, your food plan can be whatever you want, Stephanie. Except it can't have any of these ingredients in it. I don't really care, except I'm only going to tell you if you start nudging towards those things, you can't. But what you want to eat is fine as long as it doesn't have any of those ingredients in it. And you understood it pretty well, and you did it right away. And you called back the next day. Everything was in order. You had gotten there. You looked it over, and you were, and you were abstinent. And so the point is there was no wavering this. Immediately after that day and from that day forth, you did that. And in a few days, you had to call on that. Ask a few questions about just kind of clarifying what you were reading, but you were all in. When you and from your point of view, you was no, no fighting. How did you find that that you just simply did the thing that you needed to do? With right off, it had to be into abstinence. No, no, no question asked. When you're done, you're done. It's either you do or you don't. Either you're going to or you're not. Um, I felt like I was going to die and lose everything that I had hold dear in my life. Um, the day before we started, I happened to find another, you know, uh, talk on social media and it was by somebody by the name of Donna, Donna F. Thank God for her. And she said, here's how to be a good sponsoree. And so I listened to it and I took notes and she had some really good nuggets. The two nuggets I actually, that kind of fit into my doped up brain that got through was, 
you know what, you're done. You have no more rights to anything because you've just blew it. And you might as well just say, yes, ma'am, and okay. That's all you say to your sponsor, yes, ma'am, and okay. Because quite frankly, Ruth, at the time you had 31 years of entire abstinence, and you said in your talk that you never had a thought to compulsively overeat. That world, that you know, shore of recovery was unfathomable to me. When we first started, I was just praying to my higher power, I hope this works. I really do because I'm going to die or be in jail or just be the miserable sot for the rest of my life. And so when you, when we started, I was just, that's all I could say. I was just like, I'm going to just do what Donna F. told me and, you know, what God has led me to. Okay, sure, let's go. I, um, I mean, because I'm, I'm out of ideas. I've tried everything under the sun and it just didn't work. And I kept getting this thought for like the month before, why don't you go back to the big book? You started it back in 1990 when you were 20, you know, 20, 21 years old. I did. I stepped into OA when I was really young and I went back out and I didn't return for another 27 years. Here I am at 47. Today I'm 50. But I was at 47 going back into OA and starting the recovery process um, for real, you know. Um, so yeah, I was completely and utterly done. I just, I can't live with my six key ingredients, but yet the dilemma was I couldn't live without. So how, how am I going to find a way to live? Because I'm caught between a rock and a hard place and I don't know what to do. So I'm reaching out for anybody who can show me. And it happened to be God, you know, led me to you, Ruth, and a plethora of other people after that. And, you know, the fellowship of a vision for you, too, and the podcasts and all the service work that people do. It's incredible. Right. Right. So, uh, so anyway, you did that. Everything was, and it, you were absent from that point forward. And you, you also had gotten the booklet. You were doing your writings like you were supposed to, you know, 20, 30 yes. minutes, um, you know, and you did that without fail. My experience has been through the years working with people, um, the detox will take two to three weeks. Um, that's normal. Um, you know, somebody says, oh, I just had a day. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're just not a compulsive eater or they're not entirely absent. But two to three weeks is pretty normal. And you have to get through that. You have to get through step one. So, um, and I told you, and I also explained that detox will cause you each day, you, the detox will get worse. The withdrawals will get worse because the substance is less in your body and the body's screaming for it even more and there's less in it. It'll peak and once it peaks, then it starts getting less severe until it's gone. So my, I was tracking you um, and it was about the eighth, ninth, my, I think it was the ninth day where you peaked and then from then you, then you came down. So in two weeks you were through that. Um, tell me what the withdrawal symptoms were like. Uh, a migraine, pretty much like a headache, you know, migraine headache for eight or nine days off and on. It wasn't constant, but it was off and on. Nausea, vomiting, um, you know, diarrhea. Um, and then I had these um, boils come out of my skin, so I looked like the spotted elephant, you know, um, on one of our favorite holiday c- cartoons. Um, and I was as big as an elephant, so that was pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> angry. Oh, my gosh. I did not like you, um, I have to admit, for the first two weeks. Um, I didn't like anybody. Um, 
And, but I was, you know, I remember just being, just thinking, you know, be respectful and just do it, Stephanie, uh, you're done. I kept thinking, yeah, I'm so done. Um, and then I remember towards the end, I was sitting in our Wednesday night home group and I remember shaking on the inside and I looked at my friend who gave me um, your number and I said, Hey, am I shaking visibly? And she goes, no. And I said, well, oh, I must be shaking on the inside. I just felt like it was just this rattling. <laughs> um, but then it started to ease after that. And I was in another group and I was sitting around and I remember looking at this gentleman's plaid shirt and I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, it's the most beautiful plaid shirt. I mean, I was seeing in technicolor, for the first time in my life. And that's when this, the cloud had started to lift and I started to get some clarity in my mind. The fog, the food fog was starting to lift. And then I was like, oh my gosh, the sky is totally blue today. I mean, it was a beautiful blue sky, the green grass, because this was starting to be like towards the end of February into March and we're getting into the springtime coloring. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So yeah, it it was a hard detox, um, and it's something I would never want to go through again. But yeah, it was it was pretty. Ugh. <laughs> okay, and so we did go through doctor's opinion. Um, you did mm -hmm. you did understand it, but when I say understand, it's really important because what we do as addicts, we only understand from our head because our head is where the disease is. And we try to figure it out with our head. But the steps will have to be taken in our heart. And so it said on, in Bill's story on page 11, um, down second last paragraph from the bottom, it, that floored me. It began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musky pass. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings. So in Bill's story, he's talking about Ebby, and Ebby, is, it's in his heart, and you had to take this step in your heart. You don't, you, if, if we, and it, self-knowledge is not going to get it. Over and over it tells us that. And you got it in your heart. You were done. Your heart had surrendered. So we didn't have to just try to figure it out. Well, what does this mean? What does that mean? No, it was there. And so you got it from doctor's opinion. You got, you understood the vicious circle. You knew what that meant. You knew you were in it. You knew you would never, ever, ever, ever get out of it with your effort because your effort would be done by the head. The heart is in a different place. Um, and we did it with Bill's story. And then what I did is, and you had finished your writings. So we made an appointment and I sat down. It usually takes about two hours to get through all the writings, the first step that I, I have. And we set out, and if you remember, uh, uh, we were, I was listening. I just mostly listened. And you, would, and you said, your parents were the worst parents in the world. And it, it, was, it was funny, funny. But at the time, you believed it. Uh, but it was, there was a point now. You were now finally, because this was two weeks. You'd been two weeks in this. You were now coming out of the withdrawal and all that. But there was nothing to buffer your emotions, nothing, because the food was gone. And so the emotions were coming out, flooding out. And, but there was, I think, some relief there. And so we were then ready to go to step two because you had taken step one. Right. And, I mean, step one, of course, on page 30, this is a huge paragraph. When we got to it, it said, we learned that we had to fully concede in our innermost selves that we were alcoholics or food addicts. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. Uh, 
um, that's what happened in step one. I fully conceded in my innermost self, my soul, my, every atom of my being knew what I was. I, I'm a glutton, and there's no coming back from that other than help from a power greater than myself. Um, and yes, step two, yes, I was coming to, coming out of the fog, you know, coming to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Oh my gosh, that was huge. Um, and yeah, after the work that we had done, uh, that you had assigned, um, that delusion and the illusion and all these lies that I had come to believe, that I had concocted um, and started building my life off all of these lies, I call it not an identity, but a lie identity, were really starting to hit me in the face. Um, and part of step one is that taproot comes into your heart of humility. And once you experience the humility from a higher power and you understand who you are, that willingness, another principle of the program, willingness, you're willing to do anything. So I was willing to finish step one. Yes, I am powerless. Um, my life has become unmanageable, and it still is unmanageable. Step two came to believe. Well, you know, in, in the first two weeks, Ruth, I, I remember thinking, you took 85% of the grocery store away from me. And I'm like, well, that's not true. She didn't take it away from me. I took it away. And so what am I going to do? I mean, I can't live life without these key ingredients. So I had to find something greater than me. And I had to do it pretty quick because I'm desperate. And this detox is not happening. And so once I got to the third week, uh, you know, the I'm still left with delusion. And I'm still left with also truth. Truth is hitting me. And that doesn't make me feel good. You know, and I realized too, real quick, the effect that I was always chasing after was the God effect, as it says in the... Um, doctor's opinion it's like we essentially like to you know drink because we it produces an effect what is that effect it was ease and comfort and we were using the wrong things to produce that effect of ease and comfort we were believing that lie so i had to find the god effect and essentially i had to find my own understanding of what god would be for me so, yes, and so step two, we first know what is the problem, step one. You got that. Mm -hmm. Then what is the solution? Because you're desperate. When we're desperate, yeah. tell me the solution. <laughs> so you were desperate, and that's good. And so we did cover the three chapters. Um, and, yes, you did were willing. You definitely wanted something greater than you. Uh, and uh, we did the uh, – the step two proposition, which was helpful. I don't, we might not be able to get into all of that, but we did do another writing task in the step two propositions on page 53. And this is the second paragraph. It says, when we became F, A, uh, I can, when we became alcoholics, crushed by self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fiercely face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? Now, everybody wants to answer, well, it's, God's everything. But when we do this proposition, we know he's nothing, because if he was everything, we wouldn't be a glutton. <clears throat> so you had to face the fact that in spite of what you had done up to then, God was nothing in your life, and the only thing that mattered was your food. And you accepted that a power had to be greater than you. Right. So now, now that you know what this problem is and what the solution is, you need to make a decision. Now 
you have options. You have two options. Before you had none. You just had E. So are you going to go towards problem and go back to the food? Are you going to go towards the solution, something greater than you? You have to make that decision. And in the big book, they say there are two, there are two requirements you have to take to enable to take step three. And it says on the last paragraph on page 60, the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life around self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. And the second requirement, it says, on the last paragraph of 62, this is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. All right. So that was it. And so for you, when you came to step, step three, there wasn't no difficulty. I mean, you went right into the, hey, I got my decision, and you went right in. So um, when you look at it back then, going to two and three and then preparing yourself for four, I didn't see any conflict. I mean, yes, the disease wanted to have, but you were so committed to the program, you went right through. Yeah, um, I did. I had maybe a couple of hours of deciding. Um, that's the beauty of the program. It allows you to decide. It gives you that dignity. Um, one thing that I remember, and I clung to this paragraph on page 60, you mentioned page 60, but said many of us exclaim, what an order. I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is, is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. If we jump down a little bit more to that second paragraph there in Part C, that God could and would if he were sought. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't have to be perfect. So that's something new for me because I was always such a perfectionist. And then I wanted to, uh, what are the principles, humility, willingness, you know, love, unselfishness, purity, honesty. Um, we see it on page, bottom of page 12 up to 13, and then you've got the four absolutes of this program of AA. And so those were the six principles that I still wake up every morning and I do my best to follow. And once I realized that, okay, I don't have to be perfect. I'm going to find a power greater than myself. And you know what? All I have to do is seek that's it. Just seek God. God could and would if he were sought. I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. And so it just kind of dovetailed right into step four because I was like, you know, I was driving down the highway. I'm like, God, I'm scared that you're going to hurt me. This is an old thought, idea, and attitude, you know, that I had. And Joe and Charlie of AA um, talk about that. And I was like, oh, you know, okay. And you were talking about that too, Ruth, about just changing your old ideas, thoughts, and attitudes that maybe you picked up in childhood. And so I, I got the freedom to actually be able to change and to believe that I could change an old idea back then that I picked up about God. So I, I uh, you know, you gave me an exercise too. You said, why don't you write out what you want God to be? And I was like, well, that's different. Nobody ever, you know, challenged me to do that. I was always told what God was um, and I you know I picked up a lot of just erroneous thoughts about God and I listed all these things that you had said you know to make a list and I list all these characteristics I, I needed my God to be and uh, I learn now I sit here now and I'm like there's a deeper relationship but God is everything that I have always wanted 
he was always everything I always wanted. It was just me who was separating myself from this being. Right. And so uh, we have promises. You, you did that. There was a promise. The first paragraph, page 63, of the promises mm-hmm. of step three. One of the things I do with, with people uh, is that they've taken the step, then we'll go through the promises because these are guarantees. These are the promises. If we work this step properly, everything there in that paragraph is our story. If one thing isn't, then that's our weak link. We have to go back. So we go through the promises. Yes, they were all true. And then, of course, there's the third step prayer. And you did do that in front of the home group, got down on your knees and said the prayer in front of everybody because in, in the original 100, they did do a public in front of the rest of the members, it be in New York or Akron, they did make a statement in front of the rest of the members. They held, and the members held them accountable for what they had then said. So we did that. But then, of course, if we make that decision, we say, well, what is it? Oh, my God, look at these things. I'm, I'm trying to drive, and all there's these big potholes, and, and I'm tearing up my car, and I can barely get through, and oh, my God, look at this. It's like that. So we have to see what blocks us from the decision. What is it? So, yes, you had no hesitation about doing the fourth step. Um, and so and I know a lot of this will be in a previous talk I gave, and we can, people can listen to the fourth step, kind of breaking it down. But you went right in. We were looking at our grocery hand against resentment, fear, sex conduct. And we basically, there's the, on page 65, we have the example, the first three columns. But the fourth column is what we were talking about. And what you did is, I remember you said, wait, I got some vacation time. Uh, I'm going to take off a week vacation, and you had the and you had the and you had the fourth step done in less than a week. You remember that? Uh, no, I'm oh like, yeah, I got to get it done. I'm in, I'm in. You know, so okay, great. So <laughs> well, you told me to outpace the addiction. My addiction was alive and well. So you told me in the beginning. I remember you said this. You, we have to outpace the addiction, and I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> How fast can we get this done? You know. <laughs> So you did. So you did get it written up, and so then uh, you know I sat with you, and uh, and of course I'll just mention again there are um, there are things here we have resentments. There's a prayer for that. If you can't let them go, fear. There's a prayer for that. Sex conduct. You can't let that go. There are also promises. The the promises are on page seventy. And it's the second left paragraph, and it's and the promises are there, and it tells us you know about the futility and fatality of. And all of that. So you looked at the promises. Yes, you had done. You had looked at that. So at that point, now we're ready to do step five. And we sat down, and you went through it. And what did you? What was the most important thing? Looking at that fourth column, what was the most important thing you learned from doing steps four, and then giving it away to me? Uh, there's always a tremendous amount of healing, and it's the start of working the six principles, Um, but relief, man, it feels so good to confess that to myself, to God, and to you, and you just sat there and listened, I mean, there was no judgment, and you assured me that nobody dies during a fifth step, and I'm like, okay, because I was a little nervous, and we were doing it at an outdoor cafe, you know, and I was in in my hometown where I grew up and my parents were just 10 minutes away, the people that I had grown to hate. And I think when I've done a few fifth steps now with my, I just love them. You know, I love my sponsorees. Um, And at the end, most of us, except for, you know, maybe one, we end up laughing. 
I mean, I, I think a good fifth step involves laughter because you really get a good picture of how crazy you are and how everything is so petty, right? I mean, there's all the issues that we're so concerned about and we're willing to kill people over and, you know, I wanted to feed people hemlock muffins and then it went into, I want to shoot them. And I'm like, where, why? You know, and, and now I sit here fully, uh, not fully, you know, I mean, I'm seeing more and more of the picture of how crazy I am. I don't ever think we ever get, you know, there or arrive. However, um, the people that I wanted to harm are the people now I pray for daily. (laughs) Um, I love, you know, I think there's still pains in the butts, you know, but I love them and I realize, you know, who am I? I mean, I'm just a glutton and a drunk, uh, recovered. And, you know, that's when you realize what you fully are and you fully conceded and you, you know, backing up to step one, you're entirely abstinent. Uh, if you get those three things down, Wow. With God, always with God. It, it's a it's a fantastic feeling, and I felt like a shiny new penny. Um, you know, it's true. You can hold your head up high, and you can face, you know, who you are and what you are and what you've done. And then you're more than willing. You're more than willing. That willingness principle was super huge to me after that. I'm willing to do anything, even more so. How can I make this right? What can I do to make amends? Let's make a list. You know, have have I have I done everything properly? I mean, I went home and I I didn't have my big book on the shelf, but I wanted to follow the exact and precise directions of the big book, so I put my big book on a shelf and then I took it down. <laughs> I mean, that's how crazy I was, um, but that's good. It's a good kind of crazy. It's like I like this crazy because I'm I'm following some direction. Finally, after 47 years, I am following directions, and. Um, because you know, I'm I'm very undisciplined person. I, I was. So, yeah, I've, the step five was just one of, I love all the steps, but I think the step five was at that point one of my favorites at the time. Mm. Yeah, and so there the promises of step five on second paragraph of page 75. So, and we went through it there. But the, but the bottom line yeah. is um, you went deep. You went deep, and you were able to see a perspective of now, because you, when you're in your crap, you can't see anything because that's all you're in. But now, out of the food, completely, all that food, and now able to see it clear, and you could see that you were the cause of just about everything in your life. And you were a tornado that destroyed everybody around you, and you took responsibility for that. So, of course, you're willing to let it go. Now, the there's only one paragraph in the big book on step six. It apparently doesn't need more than one. We have a willingness prayer there, step six prayer. But you were willing. So, all right, you were willing. And so then we look at step seven prayer. Some people falsely believe that means, you know, we're supposed to ask God to remove our character defects. It doesn't say that. And you understood this paragraph. You're basically the creator put that sperm and that egg together to get you. And you now actually love your parents. You know, you're getting there. So, and... Uh, yeah. And that, you know, you just want God to have everything good and bad. You just, anything that stands in the way of you doing God's will and serving others, remove it how you want. You're in charge. You actually, you got it. 
So can you talk about um, understanding step seven, six, and seven are very powerful, and they have to be done in great depth because now you're turning over the personality that made you the glutton to God. Right. But you're not turning in blindly. You're turning in now you know what it is, and you're giving it away back to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's um, we get 86,400 seconds a day. And I remember starting that prayer, step seven prayer, you know, humbly asking him. And I, my prayer life has changed. In the beginning, it was, I was praying for others because it says, you know, in the big book, don't pray for yourself, okay? Let's just get you, you know, not so selfish here. So I was praying for, for others, but I was also praying for outcome, thinking that I still had control of any anything any outcome <laughs> and um it's changed now over i'm almost three years of entirely abstinent and sober and um most of my prayer life is like this god thank you um you are awesome mighty i list all the attributes that i understand god to be and then i said i'm showing up today and I, whatever you want to do with me and however you want me to serve you and your plan, I'm here. Um, and I just sit there and I just sit in God's presence. And that's pretty much it. It's very quiet. Um, I think, he, I don't know what he thinks about that. I, he might just say, thank God she stopped talking. You know, I mean, there's so many years <laughs> of me telling, you know, God what to do because I was running the show. But if we understand step six and seven, um, and it really harkens back to three, if you take a really good step three, then your step six and seven, um, you know, make it deep in that step three, then you can, you know, launch off of that into a greater understanding as God sees you, uh, wants you to have that understanding. Um, and then grant me the strength. You know, I pray for strength every day. I've got a really hard shift at my work. I work overnight since a lot of times I just, I'm like, I need your strength, God. Um, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling irritable. Um, and what's, you know, what's behind the irritability is pretty much just being tired. Um, and then, you know, the thing that's changed too about step seven, this was really kind of, it was such a difference between my old self and my new self. So the old self wanted to kill a lot of people. I was very upset with them. After step five, I realized, you know, I'm the problem, like Ruth said. When I got to step seven, I I knew that I needed to um, work on how do can I make amends. I'm already thinking about amends in step seven. Um, and today it's really changed because with my parents, my mom has stage four bladder cancer. And uh, she texted me last night and said, hey, I've got some great news. And I knew right away that her cancer, um, it just was like this thing in my head that her cancer had um, not grown back. <clears throat> and she said, hey, I've got some great news. And I said, I guess, can I guess what it is? And she's like, and she goes, what? And I said, no, you tell me, you tell me, but I think I know what it is. And she goes, well, I went back to the doctor and her can- uh, my cancer has not grown back. And I went, oh, and then she she plays bridge and canasta. And she said, my mental clarity is finally coming back. And I went, really? And I said, isn't that great, Mom? I'm so happy for you. I was so filled with joy. I had a hard time going to sleep last night. And um, what, an, what a turnabout that God has brought about, right? 
and I've been actually cooking her my meal plan. She doesn't know it, and um, <laughs> taking taking all those taking all those meals over for my mom and dad, right? And here I'm cooking for her, and I wanted to cook her hemlock muffin, you know, three years ago, and now I'm cooking her healthy food, and I eat for optimal health. Okay, I just want to make that clear. I went straight into optimal health eating. Um, so you know, everything is permissible for me to eat if I just didn't eat these six key ingredients, but I wanted to go a deeper level too. So I, you know, I I have a lot of great resources. So anyway, long story short, um, and she goes, I think it's the good food that you're cooking me too. And I said, you know, first of all, let's just give the credit to God, whatever your God is, you know, I don't know where you are spiritually. And I said, you know, whatever I can do to be helpful, whatever I can do to show up for the power greater than me who's given me my life back. And uh, I said, man, I'm so happy for you. And she was not so excited. She kept saying how excited she was over all the moves that she was making in Bridge and how many points <laughs> she <laughs> And I'm like, whatever, whatever. If she doesn't, you know, because at first I was like, come on, let's give some more praise to God, right? No, she wanted to just talk about the bridge things that she's doing. I'm like, fine, okay. You know, but I was like, the old self would have been like pointing it out to her, you know. But the new self is like, you know, Stephanie, let her be. You know, she doesn't have cancer right now. And she doesn't have to go through the chemo washes right now. And she's so happy because she's got the mental acuity to, you know, play bridge like she wants to. Okay, you know, that's the good stuff. And that, you know, I can share in that joy with her. And uh, I just still praise God for all that. You know, it, was, it was such an exciting night last night. So I can tell. I can tell. All right. Yeah. But let's got to keep moving on. All right. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, step seven, then week eight. Eight, 90% of it's done when you do your four and five because you got the list, mm-hmm. right? So you simply take the list. You don't make three. You know, you don't go to your father for the resentment and the fear. You know, you just combine it all together into one. You just brought it to me, and then let's go over and see how you're going to make amends to everybody. And, you know, and you pretty well knew, and you went out and did it. Um, I, and I, I asked, and you said it was, I can't remember. You said it was two to three weeks you got through all your amends. Um, yeah. What did it, and so we kind of covered that. So what were the things, the main things you got out of making amends? That What it is, you're now cleaning up everything of your past up to that point. Now it's done. There is not, no potholes anymore on that road. You have cleaned it up from four through nine. It is clean, and that car can go right down that road and get right with God. So what did you get mostly out of doing your amends? Even more willingness, humility, honesty, love, unselfishness, purity. Those principles became even more deep. Um, it was like this resolve that I don't want to go back and make more potholes. Um, it's sort of like driving on that beautiful highway on the West Coast. You know, you're coming up from San Francisco and you're heading north. And that's just a beautiful drive. And if you drive it kind of fast, it's really exhilarating, especially if you have a convertible. That's how it was feeling to me, you know. I love that drive, right? And that's how I felt life was just, you know, driving along the highway. And um, the highway is wide and it's beautiful and you're seeing things for the first time. And 
you feel like, you know, like you're, you're, if you've got little kids, you know, you see life through their eyes sometimes and they're like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, that's a giraffe or this is, you know, and they see things for the first time. That's how I was. I was like a little kid. And I would say to my husband, I'm like, did you see that? And he's like, yeah, that's, you know, something ordinary, you know, but I was like seeing it for the first time and life is exciting. Every day is a new day. <laughs> um, yeah. So I love step nine too. Oh yeah. I mean, and all the promises of step nine, man, that was coming through. Um, one, I asked you once, what as you this is as we've gotten through all the steps. What was the most important thing that really stood out? And you said the exercise that Joe and Charlie, I learned from Joe and Charlie, yeah. of once mm-hmm. you make these amends, then what they then have you do. So, so could you go through that? Because that was you, that's what you said. So could you describe that, which I taught you about what Joe and Charlie does? After you go through the amends and see if those are true, then the next step you do is what they did. Could you say what that was and how that? Oh yes. You? Yeah, the step nine promises, so we'll find that at the bottom of 83. Um, so with Joe and Charlie, Ruth gave me this um, exercise. You take all the promises, and you'll say, like like the first one, it says, um, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Or the first one, I'm sorry, let's back up. Uh, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So what I did was I said, um, Ruth told me, and so – following Joe and Charlie said, um, so she said, put with food. Okay. So if I put the words with food, we are going to, or we know a newfound freedom and a new happiness. So put that in the past tense. And I kept putting with food before every, uh, promise. And I put it in the past tense and that was the delusion. Yes. With food, I had really thought I had a new freedom and a new happiness. You know, with food, I did not regret the past, or I wanted, or nor did I want to show, you know, um, shut the door on it. With food, I comprehended um, the word serenity, and I knew a peace. With food, no matter how far down the scale I went, um, I saw how the experience can benefit others. I had to have food buddies, you know. And I gave everybody recipes. I mean, oh my gosh, you know, with food, that feeling of useless, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity disappeared. So with that, <clears throat> that was like a, a turning point in the program for me, because I realized how much food was a god, and how God wasn't God for me. Um, so yeah, that was huge. That was like. Uh, what Bill called when he had that mountaintop experience, it just went, whew. you know, the thought of to compulsively overeat, I think that's when it happened for me. The obsession of the mind, I think that after that exercise is when I, um, when it left me. Right. And so now that we've done that, we go to 10 because nine is completed. Now 10 is simply going to cover that day because we've already cleaned up the past. There's nothing left for the past. And the day, because what, what happens, we're very fragile. We, we're really new at this. And so, you know, coworkers angered you again. You cleaned it mm-hmm. up, but then you went to work the next day. You know how that is. And so, and so right. we, we have everything <clears throat> every day as we go along. Um, and so we, and you did. We worked through that and you were doing that. And so what um, I noticed was at the beginning when you first started 10, yeah, everything easily triggered you again. Like, they're eating. I can't stand the sound of them eating right next to me while I'm trying to do my work. Like, the coworkers are eating, okay? 
I gotta get my headsets on. They're they're chopping. It makes too much noise. I mean, you were just bothered by everything. So every day, every day you kind of help. I kind of help take you off the ledge when you're at work and and your family. Of course, again, things were getting so much better with your family. But but again, it's just that day. As you went through time, and I look back now at almost three years, it the 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 frequency of those things lessened. The, the you know the duration of them lessened, and the and the uh, depth of them lessened. It just got less and less and less as you got more and more into this way of life and getting closer to God. That's the and key. That's the key, right. And the promises of Step 10, the last paragraph of 84, guess what? There's the promise. The obsession is gone. It says it in this paragraph. So when you get to 10, you're right. You got the, you got that and nine. You went to ten, and sure enough, the promises are true. Cease fighting anything, anyone, even alcohol. For this time, sanity will have returned. So there, the obsession is gone. That what you wanted when you saw me, when you heard me first. Now you have it already in doing ten. Right. Right. So then, then eleven, and again, the, it, here it gives information and all of that. And the promises are on page eighty-four. There's a lot of promises. Uh, mm-hmm. So what I noticed in that was as the uh, character defects lessened, as we did 10, ten then 11, you, the conscious contact with God increased. You see, one went down, one went up. And so today it's just, you know, this, you know, I don't talk to you every day. And, you know, how's it been going? Yeah, great. You know, I mean, no big deal. There's no major issues. Step 10 on most days isn't really anything, just just kind of just little things, but no big crises, and the leaven keeps getting deeper and deeper. So can you describe, of all those times, I think the time you were on the deck uh, is the time that stands out most for me. Um, you're, you're thinking you were there for 20 minutes. Can you explain that? This was a this was a prayer meditation time you had, and what was that as best as you can? Because when you're in an altered state, an altered state means simply you are – um, we are not no longer confined by by space or time. It's gone. You're in a different dimension, fourth dimension, and it's not. You're like simultaneously in both realities: the realities of the material world, but the realities of the spiritual world. You you're in that partially, and you're in both. And so you're no longer in time or space. So can you describe what happened when you were on the pad, when when you were on the deck and what happened in the middle of your prayer with God? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- you know, it was um, not an easy week at work. I remember that. I'm asking God for his strength. It's a Saturday morning. I came home. I do Taekwondo nowadays. But I came home, and I decided just to kneel on the deck, and it's nice and warm. I love warm weather, right? 96 degrees, 100% humidity here in Missouri. And um, I just decided to kneel on our deck. And I bowed my head, and I just said, well, God, I just need your strength. And uh, it's Saturday, and however you want to use me today. And I said, can you, can you just give me a little bit of encouragement? <laughs> um, just let me sit in your presence. Like, but I really want to feel you, your presence today. And all of a sudden it was like, I just felt like I wanted to melt into the deck. I wanted every atom of my body to just melt into that deck, into the wood. And and I felt like something was over my head as I bowed my head, and I said, I'm not looking up. But I felt the presence of something holy, something 
so awesome, awesome and awe-inspiring. I can't describe it to you. It's sort of like trying to describe childbirth to people who've never had children. Um, but I do know I was in the presence of something greater than me, of course. And everything that I am not, this being was. You know, all my defects of character, all you know that I'm struggling with, you know, you just, when you're next to something so pure and perfect, you feel the lack of your purity. Um, But it wasn't like this condemnation. It was total love and acceptance. And and then I, you know, I just sat there and I, I was just so grateful and I felt love and I felt like, boy, I don't want to ever return to the world, you know. And, uh, my husband and, you know, he had the dog out in the backyard, uh, Chloe, she's a Wheaton Terrier. She's also a compulsive overeater recovered. Um, that's another story. But anyway, she had walked past me. My husband let her in and he just decided to leave me on the deck. And I, at the end, I got up and I went inside and he's like, man, you were really into heavy meditation. You didn't move. And I said, well, it was only 20 minutes. And he's like, no, it's, it's like, you know, 11 o'clock and it's getting hot out there. And I'm like, you're kidding me. It's been about two hours. And he's like, yeah, you were really into whatever. And he goes, I just decided to let you go and not disturb you. Not that I could. And uh, so that's the deepening of that. Yeah. So that was pretty incredible day. And um, the next week, I know not everything went according to my plan, but who cares about my plan at this point? You know, it's how it is. Um, God did what he was going to do. And, uh, you know, it's just every day is just like, okay, I don't have to run the show. That leaves me off the hook. There's so much, so not a lot of pressure anymore, you know, because I'm not king of the world. So. (laughs) And so, um, again, anybody in an only material world would not be able to hold and make no movement for two hours on their knees. That's just not possible. But in that altered state, of course, you were so close to God that you were no longer in time or space. And you were with just in a God in a, in a way that you can't be when you just hang out here. It is in the heart, right? This whole step is in the heart. Step 12, now, um, the thing about step 12, if you could go over, you know, it's in all of our affairs. So could you cover, like, what is it like now with your family? Because, you know, you hated, you know, and all that beginning and this coworkers. What, how, when I say in all of our affairs, where are you now compared to where you were three years ago relative to your family, your coworkers, in all your affairs? How are you working this in all your affairs? How have your relationships changed with everybody? Mm-hmm. Uh, start with our, let's start with our son. Um, he came back. He was on a four-year detour, I would say. Um, doing whatever he wanted. Um, he was acting out like I was acting out. Our lives were parallel to each other. Um, he ca- he captured my attention and initially got me into a 12-step group, which led me to OA and then another 12-step group. Um, and I thank God for Greg and his addiction because that ended up saving me too. And I remember telling God, like I could tell God, but at the time this is where I was, I told God I don't want Greg back that's our son, um, until you've worked on him. And I remember God clearly telling me in my spirit, no, Stephanie, I'm not going to bring him back until I've worked on you. And there was the beginning. And so Greg came back, and we were going through the airport, 
and he didn't recognize me. He came from my right. I was looking at my left, and he surprised me, and he's like, I hope this is the, I think this is my mom, and he grabbed me and hugged me and picked me up, and he goes, you are so skinny. I didn't even recognize you, and I looked at him, and I said, oh, my gosh, you look so good, and he goes, you look good, and, you know, here's two recovered people looking at each other, kind of came full circle. Now, what do we do when prodigals come back? We had to, you know, we still have little speed bumps, as you say, in the highway of life. But we work those out according to the principles and to the traditions of the program. Those traditions teach us how to act. Um, My daughter, uh, she's now at home too. Oh, by the way, Greg, he's back in college. Um, He's doing really well. And he wants to go to a four, uh, he's going to do community college. So he's got a 4.0, which we never would have thought. He's clean and sober, um, working on the spiritual life. Um, but saying that we don't have problems. No, we do have problems. And, uh, but we look at them and we handle them differently. We handle them according to what God wants us to do. Our daughter, um, her name's Maggie. She is going through nursing school. She'll start nursing school in May. Um, she's not the hidden child anymore. Um, she's doing quite well. Uh, my husband and I are still married and we're happier than we've ever been. And we still have, you know, days where we're like, my husband's not part of a 12 step group like I am. So sometimes he gets a little crazy and he's like, think, think Greg's on drugs. And I said, well, what evidence are you looking at? You know, we, we unpack that, um, according to, again, the principles and the traditions that I follow the traditions but they live it out so they just don't even know that they're living it out it's kind of fun um, and then uh, you know work is work it's doing good I don't want to kill anybody anymore um, I actually you know make them plates of really good food during the holidays um, and you know I everything is good uh, Chloe the dog okay so when I became entirely abstinent my husband lost 35 pounds Greg when he came home lost 40 even the dog lost eight pounds but the dog was not being too uh, healthy I know I know um, so Chloe she's a Wheaton Terrier they have a lot of issues with allergies and um, adrenal glands so she has Addison's disease but recently she was starting to crash and she I thought she was dying really and I took, I took her to a different kind of vet, and the vet was holistic in nature, and I had to keep my mind open about that. But really, um, Chloe eats exactly like I do for optimal health. Her food plan is much like mine, not exactly, but um, I'm feeding her and I'm making extra meals, actually. So I cook for my parents, and now I cook for the dog and for me and my family. Um, I feel like a caterer. Um, but she's doing fantastic. She's passed the detox now. Like I used to be, I totally understood why she turned her back on me and the food bowls initially for the first three days. She didn't like me. Um, but now she's eating for optimal health. This is her 10th day. This is her 10th day and she's doing great. She's passed the detox. We're working on, you know, step two. No, we're not really, but, um, it's a forced abstinence, but she's doing great. She's actually meeting me at the door and she's never done that. She's 11. So I think maybe she'll, you know, do a lot better with this optimal health eating. And it's just me making amends to, you know, turning her into a compulsive overeater Um, because I overfed her and she was really not in good health. So it's God's way of um, having me make amends to everybody um, by cooking them good food (laughs) and not being obsessive. 
Yeah, and so, uh, and yes, uh, as far as your own personal, that, all the story about you and what happened, you know, the loss of the 120 pounds, but unbelievable yes. things that happened to the body <laughs> and all that. Uh, but I think we're going to be running over, so let's just end yeah. it with, I just want to say it's been a, a tremendous joy sponsoring you. I've been uh, so blessed uh, to have been a front row seat to the complete transformation of who you were to who you are. I mean, you've kind of talked about it, but I got to be the witness of it for the last almost three years, and I am so blessed. And uh, I love you deeply, and thank you again for letting me sponsor you. Oh, my gosh, Ruth, I owe you, you know, my life. Um, I mean, I can't ask for a better sponsor. Um, one thing about you is that you, we may have different views on, like, our higher power, but it doesn't matter. You've always given me the dignity to choose what my higher power would be. We might come from different backgrounds, and it doesn't matter with you. You, in fact, encouraged me to, you know, go this way in, in my religious tradition. Um, you are always so you are always so respectful and loving and encouraging. I mean, I deeply love you too, and I thank God every day for you. I mean, when I say gratitudes, I have a mela, and uh, you know, you're the third bead. <laughs> I think I, you know, I put people on on beads, you know, and you're the third bead, you know. It's like God, thank you for my husband, and you know, Maggie and Gregory and Chloe, and you know, thank you for my mom and dad, and thank you for Ruth, and and you know, most of the beads are not material things. That's another thing. Um, they're 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 people, they're experiences, um, and it's fun to because sometimes you share you're going through and I'm like oh, that's so encouraging you know you're a very real person you know you're not arrogant oh my gosh I mean you know people can get really arrogant I think if after especially 33 years of entire abstinence and I don't see an ounce of that no so it's such a joy to listen to you too and I mean Leia said at the beginning a wise person and I'm like yes she is wise (laughs) so thank you for all your wisdom all right so God says you're welcome (laughs) God says you're welcome too (laughs) that's right all right Leigh we'll turn it back to you if anybody has any questions of us well thank you Ruth and Stephanie for sharing with us in such an honest and intimate way about your sponsor-sponsee relationship this morning, the work you've done together. Just a beautiful presentation, really incredible and helpful, I'm sure, to so many. Today's share ID is 14,027. That's 14027. Ruth M. And Stephanie Kay's contact information will be given at the conclusion of the recording, so you'll need to stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question to either Ruth or Stephanie by pressing star 1 to unmute. I'll need your name, including the last name, your initial of your last name as well. Jason Kay. Terry K. Elaine T. Andy K. Marla. Michelle H. Yvonne C. 
Okay, let me tell you who I got out of all that. I got Jason K, Terry K. I believe there was an Elaine. Marla, Michelle H, and Yvonne C. I'm going to ask everybody to mute. Thank you. Let's start off with Jason Kay. A reminder, this is not a time for comments. We're going to make the most of this time by asking questions only. Thank you. Jason Kay, start us off, please. Good morning. This is Jason Kay. And thank you uh, as well for a really, really useful talk. Uh, either of you could answer this, but it, maybe Ruth would be a little bit more qualified. How do you handle ongoing sponsorship as, you know, I sponsor people, I try to get them through the steps, but I find, you know, um, it's challenging to kind of continue sponsoring people in the long term, and I focus more on newcomers, and like the book says, Dr. Bob sponsored 5,000 people. I don't imagine he talked to them, you know, three times a week, each each one of them. So how do you um, conceive of and and in, in reality practice ongoing sponsorship? Okay, so uh, with me as far as let's say somebody really doesn't want to do the work. Um, if that's the situation, I already told him about the very thing out of my, first thing out of my mouth was, you know, if you want to chit-chat, I'm, I'm not it. Well, I, I'm serious in. Are you in? And so I don't have to fire people. They fire me. So that's not a problem if, if this is coming from that. Um, they just, they're not going to do it, and it's not a good or bad thing. I'm not judging them, but you're just not going to do it. Okay, fine, move on, and maybe maybe somebody else can help you better. Um, if it's about uh, newcomers, yes, that, that that's that. Now, somebody like Stephanie, I'm not talking to her every day. We don't need to talk every day. Um, she calls me when, when, you know, it just to let me know what's going on. So we really don't have a problem with that. Um, I'm not sure if any more than you need that. Basically, just to let go of that, it's like um, if you want to have beautiful roses on the, your rosebud, you know, your bud, you have to you have to cut all the stuff that takes the sap out of the, the beautiful roses because they all look kind of wimpy because you're trying to make you, you just need to let them go. You need to prune, and uh, but they prune, they they just simply move on, and so it's then it, the time is concentrated with people that are really seriously wanting to work the program. Thanks for your Thank you. question. Thanks, Jason. Terry Kay, your turn. Did you call Terry Kay? I did. I just unmuted. Um, I have a question for both, um, a little bit slanted toward each. So with Ruth, I'm wondering, um, when you take on a new sponsee and that person is not recovered, I understand how that sponsorship works. Do you have a um, a way that you sponsor folks who are already recovered and you're picking up a sponsee? And then with Stephanie, I'm wondering, do you sponsor in the same way you were sponsored? Okay. Well, let's I, – so I don't keep talking. Uh, let's start with Stephanie first so that we can kind of flip back and forth. Sure. I do sponsor how I was sponsored. Um, I also change some things as well. Um, I work full-time, so – I can only take so many people, um, but yeah, we do, you know, I, I do the same speech at the top, you know, I'm not your your financial planner, I'm not your lawyer, we're not chit-chatting, I only do big book, um, this is all we're going to talk about, and I'm very clear, and I make those boundaries very clear, 
And, uh, yeah, I, I tend to sponsor exactly like how I was sponsored. Um, and we do the, make sure that we do the, a good step one. Um, and I, you know, I, I sponsor people across the world. I'm an international sponsor. Never thought I would do that. Um, so right now I'm sort of like, we've got somebody, she didn't want to mention her country, but she's in the Northern hemisphere. And so she only calls me once a week. Um, I've got somebody in Australia and she calls me twice a week. Um, and then I've got somebody who is stateside here, but she goes to Panama, um, and she splits her time there. And I've got a couple more people stateside. Um, and you know, I'm in the kind of like in flux right now because they're, they're, they've gone through the whole big book with me and we did move pretty quick. Um, and so, you know, then I'll, I'll start picking up more people as God brings them to me. I just let God bring them to me. Um, but yeah, it's it's very similar to what I've, uh, you know, what Ruth has done with me, and uh, we do. Uh, I allow the the sponsoring to decide the pace, but I do tell them at the beginning, like I was told, we have to outpace the addiction. You know, we're not going to sit back on our laurels. We have to get through this work because um, it's it's important. I mean, when you take away your your main ingredients, that's not a good place to be. Um, and I don't, you know, it's God's in charge, so um, you know I allow Him to decide the pace, of course. But I'm ready to go at a quick clip. Okay, that's such a good answer, Stephanie. What was the question you asked me? <laughs> I was listening to you, and I forgot the question you asked. Me. What was the question you asked me? <laughs> I I I had to unmute again. I asked you um, if when you if you take on a sponsee who is already through the 12 steps and already recovered, how do you sponsor that person? Um, usually, we'll do, I'll just do a very quick, you know, through all 12, just a couple of days, just to let, just let me know where you're at. Because when people say something, it may, it may not mean the same thing. You know, like somebody says, um, I'm recovered, meaning I've, I've eaten a way in which I've lost the weight I want to. Okay, well... Uh, we may, might need to talk about entire absence then. So I, I just need to understand where they really are. Um, being recovered doesn't mean you're at a healthy weight. That, that's not what it means. Um, so, so I will go very quickly. But it, you know, let's just talk about one day. Just you know, every few, you know, and just in a few days, I can at least find out um, is that really what the big book would define as recovered, or is that what the big book calls the step four? You know, so that I know what they, that's where I would start. I just try to find out really where they are. Not to punish them or anything, but they may have some interesting, strange ideas even about some things that, <laughs> that they think in the big book that's not there or things in the big book that they didn't notice. So we just need to get on the same page of where they really are at, and then, then we move from wherever that is. Thank you, Terry Kay, for the question. Elaine T, star one to unmute. Thank you. This is Elaine T. Well, my first question was answered, uh, Ruth, by um, the first person who called in, and I appreciate that because I wondered how um, you kept with sponsees. But my next question is um, when you have um, a sponsee and, and the two of you are working together, how long did it take? I you may have said that and I missed it, but what's your time frame? And like you said, each one's different. I got that. 
but mm-hmm. I, you 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 implied something about um, you had some questions that had to be answered. So maybe just answer for Stephanie. How long did it take you to get through the first twelve steps? Uh, nine and a half weeks. Yeah, that was it. It was either nine to ten weeks. She went through. Yeah. yeah. And you were doing daily. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That answers my question. Thanks, and thank Julie. you so much for sharing. Thanks so much for the question. Marla S., your turn with a question. Hi, it's Marla. Can you hear me? I hear you well. I did. Um, thank you, guys. Really helpful. A um, couple questions. You just said that it took you about nine to ten weeks, Stephanie. Um, I'm just double-checking. Was that an hour a day every day, you said, until you got all the way through? That's the first question. I would talk to Ruth for an hour, Um and then to get through, yeah, I'm. I like. I like to think about stuff. I'm an overthinker, but I mean, if you want to be an overthinker, this is a good stuff to be overthinking on. Um, yeah. I mean, delve into it. I mean, what else have you got going? I mean, you know, when Ruth initially told me this is your first priority, I'm like, okay. So what does that first priority look like? Well, you know, I mean, I can't say that I delegated like just an hour and I went done, you know, wipe my hands. I'm like, I got an hour. And no, it was like, I was was thinking about that first step all the time throughout the day. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes it was like three or four hours, I have to say. Other times it was just an hour a day. Fourth step, of course. That was like, I had a week off. I hit that hard. You know, let's just be as petty as I can be and list everything, you know, and I I did. Um, And that was a really great step four, which set you up for good step eight. Um, so yeah, I mean, it would it would vary from day to day because I can't dictate if I'm truly working um, step two, you know, and step three, letting God take control, then He has all the seconds of my day controlled. Um, I don't really have any more uh, right to dictate how much I spend on this work. I allow God to just do, you know, hey, you need to maybe concentrate on this today, and that trained me to be in constant contact and enlarging that spiritual life of mine with the power, with, with my God. So, um, you know, a lot of times I would be sitting at work and I just am praying over my work and all of a sudden this will come to me and that uh, something will come to me and I'm like, oh, I'll put that. I'm a TV news producer. So I pray over my newscast during the night and, a, a, you know, a story will come to me and I'll write it up. And, you know, so, but it always, I'm like, oh, that was really, you know, that story was all about step three. Yeah. So I, I connect everything with a step, it seems like. <laughs> what I was wondering, thank you. Oh. Did we lose everybody? Nope. We're here. We're here. Thank okay. you. Thank you very much, Marla S. Thank Can you. you guys hear me? Can you hear me? Thank you. Thank you. One question per person, please, so we can get through our list, okay? Thank you so Hi, much. Hi, Yep. Hi, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's move on our list. Michelle H., your question, please. Hello. Can I be heard? Michelle? Yes, can I be heard? Yes, I hear you well. Go ahead with your question, please. Thank you. Okay. Um, This is Michelle from the San Francisco Bay Area. And my question is, if a person has been abstinent from their alcoholic foods for a couple weeks, um, 
if they don't have the same, all those uh, detox symptoms, um, are they fully abstinent or entirely abstinent? And either one of you can answer that question. Thank you. Well, it, you know, it really depends. I, you, I can't make a blanket statement about everybody. Um, the two things I see most common uh, when somebody, let's say, they're going to be entirely absent and they have no withdrawal at all and it doesn't seem to really be that big a deal, it's like another day, nothing's really happening, one thing would be they're not entirely abstinent. Maybe they're not reading those ingredient labels and they're getting trace amounts. If they're doing that, they won't go through the draw because there's still something in the body. The second thing I, I notice is that there are people in OA that use OA as a free diet club and they're not even us. You know, they, they've got a few little problems with pounds, they're here, but they're not, they're not us, the sick O's like us. And, and uh, so they don't have withdrawal because they've not crossed the line into addiction yet. The big book talks about it, you know. They, eat, they can even be heavy drinks, you remember that. So uh, there may be another reason, though. So I'm not going to tell you. I would have to talk to the person directly to see. But usually people that have done what we've done are addicted to these ingredients, and them not being in their body, their body will respond with a, a tremendous attempt to get them back in the body. Um, and so you will have something called withdrawal because of that. So usually that's what is going on if people now have entire abstinence. Thank you, Michelle H., for that question. Yvonne C., star one to unmute. Looking for Yvonne C. Yvonne T., perhaps. All right, maybe she had to step away. Marin K., are you still on the line? Star one to unmute. Marin K. Hi, this is Yvonne T. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Go right ahead. With okay. your question. Mm -hmm. uh, my question is, I'm going to be starting sponsoring soon, and I was wondering if there's a written guide somewhere for new sponsors, you know, uh, what order you do things in, you know, the first question you ask someone is this, and um, just a written guide of what to do when. Um, I don't have a written guide. I just have 30-some years of doing it. So I've learned through time what clarifies it, simplifies it, and gets it right to the point. Um, but I, I've never written it up, no. Um, there's no official guide because there's no one right way that everybody has to do. Um, there, You have to allow some intuition, some uh, ability to kind of move with the flow of where the person is. Um, you know, I have a person with some mental illness, and I have to go slower with her. It, it, it's not anything wrong. It's just that she has an issue that causes me to go much slower because of the processing. It's, it's harder for her. and But that doesn't mean she doesn't work a great program. She works a great program. So I, there is no one right way. 
that's all I can say. What might be helpful is if you read pages 89 to uh, 103 of the big book. It's a good outline. It's a good starting point um, because once you get past 88, it's nothing about you. It's about working with others. It's about everything else. Um, that was very helpful when I read that um, because God, you know, he's the principal. And if you're enlarging your spiritual life every day, um, that'll be less and less of a concern. Uh, I used to think that when I first started off with people, I was going to hurt them. Um, I was going to be like this terrible sponsor. And then I'm like thinking, gosh, it's all about me, isn't it? Um, has nothing to do with me. And, um, you know, I just remember how I was sponsored and that's, that's the framework. And then like Ruth said, as you, as you go along, you make adjustments, you know, it's a case by case basis. So um, you make adjustments and, you know, some people I will sponsor differently, you know, rather than, you know, from like, let's say they already recovered or they think they've recovered, but they've relapsed. That's a different way I'm going to approach it. Um, you know, God has me do it differently rather than somebody who has no idea what the big book is about. They're a clean slate, you know, so to speak. Um, that's a different sponsor. The sponsor, um, you know, how you start with them is different too. Thank you for the question, Yvonne. All right. Who else has a question? This will be our final invitation for questions. Star one to Hi, Linda. Yes, Raquel, got you. Linda G. Linda G. Anne Marie M. Anne Marie. Brenda A. Penny Brenda C. Brenda A. Penny C. Mary Z. Larry K. Larry K. Linda Carolyn G. <laughs> it is humorous, isn't it? <laughs> okay, I have Raquel E, Linda G, Anne Marie M, Somebody H, Brenda A, Larry K, Maura Z, and Lindsay. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Let's start off with Raquel E. Again, this is questions only please, in the interest of time. Thank you. Go ahead, Raquel. Hi. Hi, Leah. Thank you for your service. And hi, my sponsor, Ruth, to say thank you <laughs> to you for everything, for everything. And you're, you are with me in my heart all the time. But I'm, I'm, I'm jealous because I'm hearing such wonderful ideas that I haven't heard yet because you are growing all the time, you yourself. And, I, and I'm not even asking permission to translate this. I will. And there's nothing you can do about it. Here is the question. The question is, now God sent my way one lady who is bulimic, wonderful, wonderful friend, one who is a restrictor. And I don't, not having experience exactly with that, would you, um, and we don't have too much here, I, I want the the permission to call you to consult you deeper what can I and can I not do with with these people or whether at all because it's not part of my experience okay so I would say the first thing is five percent max uh, you you're part of this solution the other 95 percent is between the ears of your sponsor e so we have to under, we have to just put it in perspective. That person, if that person is entirely willing, all in, no exception, boom, she comes in. She'll be honest with you, and she'll tell you what she did with her bulimia, and and you will then be able to address that. 
Um, if she's not, you will be blindsided because you don't know that much about it. So one thing you could, if there's somebody that even on the line, if somebody can, you know, give me a call and talk me a little bit about bulimia because I've had experience, you know, so I can get a little more experience. But again, um, your success will be based on God through you and her willingness to let God come through her. Um, so if I don't know too much about it, I'll go and maybe talk to somebody that knows more about it. I also know that if God sends that person my way, then then it's just, you know, suit up and show up for that person. If that person has to have me and not somebody else for whatever reason, then I'm I'm going to do what I need to do and God will work through me. Thanks, Raquel, for the question. Linda G., star one to unmute. Linda G. Okay. And Good morning. I thought I was unmuted. Hi, Linda. Go ahead with yes. your question. Um, thank you for your service, everyone. Um, <clears throat> my question is to um, either Stephanie or Ruth. Uh, what is your routine? Um, I don't know what the right way to put it is um, for the day. Do you have quiet time in the morning? Do you do something in the evening? Um, and then when you start sponsoring, uh, do you give this structure to your newcomers or do you just let them evolve into that? Uh, thank you. Okay, I've answered the last couple. So yeah. why don't you speak? Yeah, go ahead. So, Sure. Um, when we first started, uh, I had to develop a routine. I'm an overnight worker, so I, my, I get up at midnight and I work until 8 a.m. So a lot of times, um, if there's step 10 work that needs to be done, I'll just put it all um, right when I get up because I'm fresh-minded. And then I, um, I just do it all at the same time. But, I mean, if you look at page 86, it gives you a very good outline um, of what to do, how to do it day and night. Um, and I, I don't dictate, I never dictate to sponsorees what they ought to do or anything like that. I say find what works for you. But I always, develop, I always really just go back to the big book because Bill Wilson and, you know, the first 100 recovered alcoholics um, have a lot of great wisdom. And who am I to say that, you know, that didn't work for the hopeless drunks, right? And I was hopeless. So um, my personal routine, um, it varies according to my schedule. So, um, but I do make sure, and this is a must for me, um, that I get the prayer and meditation time. Uh, if, and I don't like keep it, you know, like I don't, I'm not so rigid where it has to be a half hour to 47 minutes and 30 seconds. No, um, I allow God to dictate how much time I spend. But I mean, right now it's it's hovering around 45 minutes in the morning, um, and it's you know gratitudes. It's me can, you know, telling how telling God how wonderful um, He is for me. It's He, um, and then I sit and I meditate, and then um, I was given by another um, another gentleman in AA, and you guys can um, reach out to me because I. 
I don't want to break any traditions, especially the sixth one. I have to apologize for my first talk back in March and March of, I think it's 2018. I brought in a lot of outside, you know, influences, so I have to make amends for that. Um, but if you want to contact me, I, I go through 12 daily prayers, meditations, and visions. I get them straight out of the big book from page 83 to 88. And um, the first one is ask your creator to show you the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. Meditate on what these spiritual principles look like. And then how am I going to live that out? How's it going to look? Um, and that's what I do. And that's just one. And I have 12 of those that I go through. And that's, that's my routine. And it keeps me on that spiritual beam. And it's deepened my, my um, relationship with my higher power. And uh, I keep getting just the the character defects are just getting a little less and less. There's less buttons that are pushed. Um, it, the, the tense steps are not so frequent. Um, I'm not getting ticked off at anybody much anymore. Um, there's a, a tremendous amount of peace and serenity. Um, it, it's just a completely different way of living. Um, a lot of fourth dimension. You know, I'm like, wow. Um, Sometimes I'll, I'll stand up and I'm like, man, that was uh, 90 minutes. Okay, where did that go? I thought I was only praying for about 30. Um, I went into a meditation seminar one time uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, I looked at my friend and I said, how, how long were we, were we out? I, I just say, how I said, I thought it was 20. It was an hour. So um, if anybody wants that resource, I'll be glad to send it to you via email. So just Just ask me. Just ask me. Thank you for your question, Linda G. Anne Marie M., your turn. Star one on mute. Anne, Anne Marie, you call that? Indeed. Oh, thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank both of you, um, Stephanie and Ruth. Um, so, uh, I'm assuming that you, um, Stephanie, compulsively overate. You, t- you talked a lot about the struggle with relationships and finances. Um, your children yes. and all that, but uh, assuming that you actually, you know, was in the food, that's probably caused the relationship problem. But mm-hmm. uh, during the detox, uh, I also heard you say a lot about the physical withdrawal. I'm wondering if you had any of the uh, psychological mind, did the uh, disease talk to you and say, oh, you can just have one, and um, was that part of your detox? And um, yes. I don't understand how, okay, and, I, and how did you deal with it? And I don't understand how you get the step one into your heart. I heard Ruth say that. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Step one into one's heart. Well, first of all, your first question was, yes, um, yes, food would talk to me. <laughs> it would call me. I mean, all the ingredients uh, that I, that you know, um, I eliminated from my food plan, Yes, they would holler, holler at me in the middle of the night. And unfortunately, I was up in the middle of the night, and I was working in the middle of the night. Uh, so that was really difficult. But how much more did that propel me into finding a relationship with God? And it was like, here's how I get from the, the, the uh, pond of unrecovery <laughs> to the shore of recovery. Um, here's the exact steps I took. And I would just start praying, um, help. It was just a really very simple prayer. Help me, God. Um, Keep me abstinent, right? Um, And it would just start off with very small prayers for very short times. 
And then uh, as I got through the detox, then those prayers, you know, I, I would I would actually write down evidence. And I I asked one of my sponsorees to do this too. Find the evidence that this power greater than yourself. You may not even know what it's called. Who cares? But find the evidence that 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 being and look for the evidence and have, you know, and write it down. And so I started just taking a pen out and writing down the evidence of God working or, you know, something happening. Um, I felt something different today or, you know, all of a sudden after nine weeks, I don't have a compulsive thought. That was really groundbreaking for me. Um, So that's what I I started in, in small little baby steps. You know, I know it sounds kind of trite, but it was just baby steps. Thank you, Anne-Marie, for the question. Penny C., your turn. Star 1 to unmute. Okay, I'm here. Thank you, Leia. My name is Penny C., and this is for Stephanie. First, I just wanted to say that something I really related to was feeling like a shiny penny. That just struck me funny, Um, and I did. But my question is, I believe you said, uh, used the word you were, you were either angry or mad at um, your sponsor the first couple of weeks, and yet you hung in there. And I just wondered uh, what caused you to hang in there and not just, uh, you know, say, you know, I'm, I'm quitting when you felt that way. Page 30, I fully conceded in my heart uh, that I was, it says alcoholic, but uh, food addict. Um, when your back is against the wall and you have no other choice, I mean, what else, what else am I going to do? What's my choice? Um, I've taken all the choices away from myself. The addiction did too. So uh, I, I give it to God, actually, for bringing me to that point. Um, and Ruth was there, you know, she, she had availability. So I thank Ruth too for being available and God working it all out. Um, it was just that I just knew that I was going to die and I didn't really want to die. Thanks, Penny C for the question. Brenda A, star one to unmute. Uh, good morning. This is Brenda A. from New York. Um, thank you all for your service. Um, I'm newly abstinent, but I constantly ask the same question. I have fallen off what I consider... Um, I haven't been on a binge, but my question is, if you fall off or you eat a food that's on the no-no list, and you get back on, when does abstinence start again? The following day? I just find this so confusing, and I am not looking at this as a diet program. I'm looking at it as a way of life, and I'm working very hard to be abstinent. So how do you two look at it? Uh, Well, I'll say one of the things that tell us that if we've taken the step 100% with absolute perfection, that's on page 68 of age 12 and 12. If we say we've lost it or we've fallen off and that we've got to do something to get back on, where is God in that? 
because the step is not about doing, accomplishing, achieving. That's head knowledge. The step is about surrendering, letting go, knowing I have no options. It's, it's over. And when that happens, then God can come through us and give us all the strength we need and more. So if you're trying to figure out what's right, strange as it may seem, you may need to get out of the way and let God decide what's right, which means you'll need to surrender. Thank you, Brenda A., for your question. Larry Kay, it's your turn. Oh, thank you. Thanks, uh, Leah, for your service and um, a wonderful job uh, by both Ruth and Stephanie. I uh, appreciate um, what you guys shared today. Okay, so to the question, um, and this is really for both of you, um, uh, you know, the rates of recovery um, in Overeaters Anonymous are not stellar. They're not terrific. And I wonder if you guys would be kind enough to speak to that from, you know, just offering your opinion as to why that may be and or, you know, what we can, what we can do to, to improve that. And, and once again, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. You want me to go? You want to go, Stephanie, first? You go first, Miss, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you go All first, right. yeah. Uh, well, uh, for me, um, I just got to do what I got to do. Um, so, it sounds too simple, but I've got, when God gives me a person to sponsor, then it's my job to do my part. Now, I can tell you, I don't probably have any better percent than anybody else. The majority of the people that come and ask me to sponsor them, they don't, they're not willing to be entirely abstinent. And so they move on. I don't have to fire them. They just move on. And that's not right or wrong, but that's just what happens. So, um, okay, maybe that means I'm now available. Somebody named Stephanie's going to call me because I'm not trying to hold on to somebody that's not really willing to take step one. So, um, uh, yes, there is problems in a way not having the percent. I mean, if you go back to forward uh, two, the second edition forward, of the original years there, 75% of the people got recovered that came in the doors and sincerely tried to work the program. We've never been at 75% in OA. We've never been close. Um, AG, the original male member of OA, said he thought it was 3%. And I, and I was thinking, I think it was, I thought, well, I think maybe it's 4 No, I'm sorry, he said it was 2%. And I said, I think maybe it's 3%. But uh, still, that's a small percent. All I got to do, Larry, is I got to just do my part. I, I, you know, and God's in charge of the rest. Yes, I'd love to have the kind of the success rate that A has had in the past, but A is not at 75% today either. Um, so if we all do our part, then the cumulative putting it all together will still work it all out. And that's all I can do is just pray for always the whole. I mean, always just somebody I pray, I pray for. It. So I don't really have a simple, easy answer other than I just do my part and I pray for the good of OA, that everybody does whatever God wants them to do and um, as they are aware of it. And I, uh, mm-hmm. I would Go like, ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I would love our percentages to be up there at 75. Um, you know, it's, I'm not in charge of that either, like Ruth said. Um Whatever comes my way, you know, whoever wants me to sponsor them, I do the best I can to follow the exact and precise directions of the big book. 
this is the only thing that arrested my disease of compulsive overeating. And that's all I really work on. It's all I, you know, take people through the book and we don't deviate from it. Um, this is where I found my recovery and it, and it's not, it may not be true for other people. Um, and I don't demand them to be, um, taking their addiction through the big book. Um, if they want to, fine. If they don't, fine. Um, but, you know, for me, uh, compulsively overeating since she's been four years old, um, this happened to work for me. And I've been spending most of my life trying to solve the issue. Um, and so it, it speaks to uh, what, this, what Bill Wilson and the first 100 drunks wrote. Um, this happened to to work for me and uh, I will share whoever wants to to learn um, and for me you know the privilege of just being you know teaching what I've been taught uh, sharing giving it away um, you know I'm I'm so happy to do that uh, whatever I can do um, but I've had to let the whole other thing go because I can get crazy about that um, and I have <laughs> I've gotten crazy about that so um now I'm settling down a little bit more and you know, live and let live. Go ahead. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Larry, for your question. Our final question for today comes from Maura Z. Thank you, Leah, for your service. Thank you, Ruth and Stephanie, for giving so very much of yourself. And Ruth, I just want to tell you that November 22nd, 2012 is the first podcast I have all of my newcomers listen to. <clears throat> I have a question about, um, Stephanie, you said after the ninth step amends is when the obsession was lifted. Now, I understand that on page 85, we feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. But I've, that's, a, that's a past tense. So that, for me, I've always interpreted that that that's a realization I have after going through the 10 steps. That's what has happened. But do you feel that your obsession was listed only when you got to that point, or had it been lifted prior? Thank you. That's the only time, uh, you know, I realized that Ruth had to ask me, you know, because you know, she'll check in with me. How is your mental obsession? How have you had any food thoughts? You know, how deep do they go? How long do they last? And when she asked that question, it was shortly after doing the ninth step. We were in the middle of the tenth, I think. Um, and I realized, you know, not without even realizing, but her question prompted me to think about it. And I went, "Huh? No, I haven't had any food thoughts." And so I, um, and I did feel like that that white, you know, white moment that Bill Wilson had in the, in his hospital room, you know, where that obsession left him. I felt like that after the ninth step promises. And then, you know, the 10 step promises, she was checking in with me. And that was really, Ruth does that very well, where she'll check in with you. And she's like, are these promises coming true to you for you? Um, and she's very thorough about that. So, when I did the tenth, ninth, and tenth step, and I realized that I could say in the affirmative that these things were happening for me, um, you know, that's when I really was like, okay, this is uh, the obsession has lifted, and uh, 
I was so happy. I know it's the second shiny penny feeling, you know, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you, Morzy, for the question. Thanks to everybody who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you so much, Ruth and Stephanie, for giving so much of yourselves this morning. Just an incredible presentation. Very much appreciated. We're going to close with a reading that you'll find on page 164. Of course, you'll notice that it's in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.